Thank you, Rodney. Uh, Psalm 42. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 42. This is going to go right along with this song that Rodney just led us in. So we'll come back to that here in just a second. For the second week in a row, though, we're in the Old Testament, Psalm 42. Uh, and as you're turning over there, I want to direct our thoughts and, and the direction that I am going with this lesson today. So I was thinking back to a time when it was my late teenage years. I was on a camping trip. And me and some of my friends, we had this idea that we would go uh, on a night hike to a scenic area where we could see the stars. It was supposed to be about a 20 to 30 minute hike following a trail. And keep in mind, it's the middle of the summer. I'm an older teenager, but we have no idea what we're doing. So we take off on this hike. We're going through the woods. We get lost. We get off the path somehow. We wind up getting cut up by thorns and branches that we couldn't see, and it ended up taking us about two hours to get to the place where we were going. It was supposed to take 20 to 30 minutes. When we finally get there, I mean, the stars are beautiful. It looks great, but we're torn up. We're cut up, and so our thought is we're not walking back through the woods to get back. So we had this bright idea that we would take the road and the highway to get back to our campsite, which I measured it later. It's over, the, over five miles, and it's the middle of the night. So we start walking the road back to our campsite, and just to summarize what happened, we had uh, animals chase us, we had skunks chase us, which is a lot scarier than it sounds, and we had neighborhood dogs that did not like the fact that we were walking through the neighborhoods, and they chased us. My shoes were torn up, my feet were killing me, it was an exhausting night. I mean, I, the entire time, I regretted going on this trip. But remember, it's the middle of the summer. It's hot. Even though it's nighttime, it's hot and humid, and we forgot to bring water. I mean, we never, I look back over my life at some of the things that I did when I was younger, and I'm like, I hope my kids never do those things. And I'm surprised that I'm even here to tell these types of stories. But we eventually made it back. And when we made it back to our campsite, we saw the greatest thing that we could possibly see, which was a water cooler. Because we were so thirsty. We sprinted towards that water cooler. And we all put our heads under it and taking big gulps of water, kind of pushing each other out of the way because we really, really wanted water. Have you ever been in a position like that before where you're overwhelmed with thirst? When I was thinking about a time where I've been extremely thirsty, that's what I'm talking about here, being extremely thirsty, that's the first story that came to mind. Going all night, being lost, and doing all of it without water. And when we finally saw that water, how rewarding that was. But maybe you've been outside working in the yard and it's really hot and you get to that place where you're overwhelmed with thirst or you know, maybe you've been playing sports and you're going without water and you're overwhelmed with thirst or maybe you're recovering from a stomach virus, which I hate to even say that because if somebody gets a stomach virus this week, you're going to blame me. But you know that feeling when you're really dehydrated and you need water. And if you don't get water, what happens? That's the second time in a row somebody says they die. Last time it was Aaron. So you guys jump to the extreme. I, what I mean by what happens if you don't get water is you get dehydrated and get a little dizzy and maybe start to feel sick. But yes, eventually you're not going to live if you don't get water. It can be very dangerous. What does it feel like? I mean, put yourself in that scenario, a time where you've gone without water. What does it feel like when you finally get to drink some water? It's a huge relief. And if you have a lot of water, you're going to keep drinking because your body has told you this is urgent and you have a desperate need for this water. 
We know what it's like physically to go without water and what our bodies do. But what about spiritually? What about our souls? What happens if our souls are dehydrated? What happens if, our, if we have not been drinking from the river of life, from this living water that Jesus talks about? What happens to us then? So based on our text from today, from the scripture reading, from the song that Rodney just led us in, I want to return again for the second week in a row to Psalm 42, and I'm going to read Psalm 42, verse 1 through 5-ish. I'll kind of skip around a little bit. This first part is going to sound really familiar. As the deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, where is your God? And then I'll read the first part of verse 4 because it goes along with the song. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. So the psalmist here, you know, something we didn't really focus on last week as we read through Psalm 42 and 43, we didn't really focus on verses 1 and 2, but what the psalmist is saying is his need for God is desperation. Just like an extreme thirst or being overwhelmed with thirst, his need for God is desperation like thirst. Like he just, he so desperately needs God. Thirst is so insistent, he needs God. Now if you were to keep on reading, I want to read it one more time. Verse 5, which we read this last week, and this is what we really focused on. It's repeated three different times in Psalm 42, verse 5, Psalm 42, verse 11, and Psalm 43, the next chapter, verse 5. But the psalmist goes on to do a little bit of self-questioning here. He's talking to himself. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? You could read from a variety of English translations and get different words in there, but I'm reading from a New Revised Standard Version, and I like the way that it's translated here. Why are you disquieted within me? Last week, I started a new series that we're going to have today, and we did last week. Next week will be Senior Sunday, so we'll take a break, and we'll just kind of continue along for the next several weeks on anxiety. And I mentioned last week that borrowing from the psalmist's words here, the disquieted soul, that the disquieted soul is a great metaphor for anxiety. In fact, I'm going to use the disquieted soul and anxiety interchangeably, almost synonymously. I shared some statistics last week that uh, pretty much a third of all Americans have been diagnosed with some sort of anxiety disorder or, or they've had anxiety attacks or they've sought help for it. But as one marriage and family therapist estimates based on research is there's also probably another third who have battled with anxiety they just haven't sought help. If you do the math, that's more than half of us, probably in a room like this, have struggled with anxiety at some point. We're familiar with the disquieted soul. And if, if anxiety is something that you don't struggle with or you haven't recently because it's a Sunday morning, maybe you're off work, you're not at school, you feel peaceful today, well, give it a few days. You might feel a little bit of the disquieted soul. Or you know somebody who does. And there's physical symptoms from anxiety from the disquieted soul. The three main ones I told you came from an author named Steve Cuss. The three main physical symptoms are a spinning mind, a racing heart, and a tightening gut. 
When we experience the disquieted soul, our body reacts. And it's the same thing with thirst. When we are thirsty, our body reacts. And we have to respond by giving our body some hydrating liquids. So I'm kind of going in the same direction today. We're titling this lesson, The Thirsty Soul or The Soul That Thirsts for God, based on Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2. The thirsty soul, the soul that thirsts for God, has a lot of similarities with the disquieted soul. Several years ago, there's a guy named Donald Whitney that wrote a book called 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. So if you want to know where you stand spiritually, read this book, go through those 10 questions. The very first question in this book is, do you thirst for God? 10 questions to diagnose your spiritual health. Do you thirst for God? It's a good question. It's based out of Psalm 42, but what does it mean exactly? I mean, how would you describe that to somebody that you thirst for God? Like, what does that actually mean? Well, in the book, he gives three different variations of a thirsty soul. And I'm going to borrow his three variations of a thirsty soul for the sake of this lesson, but I'm putting my own spin on it just in case you happen to read the book. The first way that uh, we thirst for God, or the first variation that he describes, is the thirst of a dry soul. Have you ever had a dry mouth? When you've been outside working, you're hot, you need some water, you, you start to experience a dry mouth. And that doesn't mean that you're fully dehydrated, but it means that you're really thirsty. A dry mouth is an indicator that you're getting dehydrated and you need water soon. The thirst of a dry soul is kind of like that. You're not fully dehydrated yet. You're not completely deprived. But Jesus offers us this living water. And it may mean that we're only taking occasional sips and, and we're getting dehydrated. We have this dry soul. But why, if we are followers of Jesus, why would we have a dry soul? How could this happen? What would lead to experiencing the thirst of a dry soul? Well, it could be a number of reasons. You could have a dry soul because of a sin in your life. It could be that you've been living intentionally in sin, and you know that, and you know that it's causing this distance between you and God, and you need to repent of that sin. It could be because of sin. It could be because of a lack of time with God. I mean, we often slip into this mode where we it's been days, weeks sometimes since we have spent time in God's Word, spent time praying. Maybe you come to worship, but you do it sporadically because that's kind of what our culture does today. So we could have a dry soul because of sin or because of a lack of time with God, but the direction I'm going in in the next few minutes is the reason, one of the reasons why so many of us thirst for God out of a dry soul is because of the culture that we live in. And I'm going to give you a few examples. One of the reasons is because we have 24-7 news. We live in a culture where we are constantly bombarded with all the bad things that are going on in the world. There was a day and time, and some of you may remember this, when the only time you would get the news each day was when either you read the morning newspaper or you watched the evening news or you just happened to listen to the radio at the right time. Other than that, that was it. Anybody remember those times? Now our news stations, because they want ratings, they want people to watch them, they want people to pay attention to them, they pump out worldly news 24 hours a day. 
whether we need it or not. And we also have social media so they can share the news. So we are getting worldwide news constantly in our face. And most of it's bad news. I mentioned this in the first service, but I could scroll through KLTV news. So this is local news on any given day. And there's times where I read stuff and I'm like, that's horrible. It's like a horrible act of violence. Why am I even reading this? And So we're constantly exposed to 24-7 news. And I'm not suggesting that we bury our head under the sand and we ignore all the world's problems. But what I am going to suggest to you is that we don't have to bear the weight of all the problems in the world instantly and constantly all day long. We need to pay attention to what's going on, but I'm not God and neither are you. So sometimes you just need to go to sleep at night. Sometimes you just need to have set times where you pay attention to what's going on in the world, but you don't need it 24 hours a day. Because of 24-hour, 24-7 news, in my opinion, that leads to thirsty souls that are dry souls. Or you could also argue uh, this hurry sickness that we all seem to suffer from in this culture today where we always feel like we're racing against the clock. We suffer from a time famine. Anybody feel this way? Where you feel like there's just not enough time in your day or your week to accomplish everything that you need to? Okay, some of you do. I, I feel this way quite often. And because of that, we rush. Because we, we have so much we need to accomplish. Last week... I talked to you about bad driving. It makes us bad drivers, which really irritates me. And if you don't believe me, just drive around Longview today or get on I-20 and you'll know what I'm talking about. We suffer from hurry sickness. Because we're always in a hurry, we do things like cheat sleep, like we stay up too late, get up too early. We're not giving ourselves the right amount of sleep that we require, that we need, that God wants us to have because of the way that He designed our bodies. We cheat sleep, and, and very often because we're always in a hurry, we always have this or that to do. When we finally get home and can rest and relax, and I repent of this as well, it seems like our families wind up getting the worst of us. They get our leftovers. Because of hurry sickness, sometimes we have no time for hobbies. We have no time, not that we need to idolize hobbies or anything like that, but we have no time to just relax and enjoy life or we don't eat healthy. We don't exercise. We're always in a hurry. We're always busy. We just don't have enough time in the day. We suffer from hurry, sickness, and time famine. And that leads us to thirst for God from a dry soul. The list could keep going. We're always multitasking. We have all these devices with us constantly. We have our phones. And, and we're always multitasking. Because of that, it almost seems like we're never fully present with people or in the moment. And I'm looking around right now, and most of you seem like you're doing a good job of making eye contact. But I'm always trying to catch somebody that's looking down at their phone because I know you're on Facebook or whatever it is that you're doing. So I really wanted to catch somebody saying we're multitasking and you're doing it right now too. But anyways, y'all are doing a good job. Most of the time we're multitasking. We're always looking at multiple things. At the same time, we just struggle. Our attention, pans, our attention span is short and we struggle with being fully present. I've been listening to a, a newer book uh, by Carrie Newhoff called At Your Best. And in this book, he shares some statistics that I think are very eye-opening. He said the average person touches their phone 2,617 times a day. That's the average person. Heavy users touch their phone around 5,427 times a day. 
Now, that could just be like you touch your phone to look at the, the clock. It could be that you got a text message. It could be you got a notification on your phone. It could be just because we're so addicted to it, we always just think to grab our phones. But if you think about that as a distraction, multitasking, that is a staggering amount of interruptions. Kerry Newhoff also suggests, or, or he compares this to your doorbell. He said, imagine you're working from home, and somebody comes to your house and rings your doorbell 2,617 times a day. What would you do? Would you just go answer the door every time? Now, you'd probably call the police and you'd probably file a restraining order on whoever it is that keeps ringing your doorbell. He said, we wouldn't put up with that, but when it comes to our phones and our devices, we do put up with it, which is strange. We allow for that amount of interruption. And then research shows that it takes about 25 minutes to really refocus. So if you're working on something or you're having a meaningful conversation with somebody and then you're distracted, you get a text message or whatever, well, it takes a few minutes to refocus. Now, you may or may not agree. Maybe it doesn't take you that long to refocus, but I think it does if you're working and you consider emotions and whatever that is, that message you just saw, you consider energy and your energy levels. And if it takes that long to refocus and we're distracted that often, that means that we are in a deficit of meaning. And what I mean by that is meaningful work, like deep, meaningful work. How in the world could we have deep, meaningful work if our phones are always going and we're always distracted? How could we have deep, meaningful conversations with someone if we're always looking at our phones or our devices? How in the world can we have a deep, meaningful relationship with our Heavenly Father if we're always distracted like that? And I'm guilty of it. I'm working on it right now. We thirst for God from a dry soul because we're, we exploded with 24-7 news in our face all the time. We're multitasking. We're distracted. We're always in a hurry. We thirst from a dry soul because we never really rest or unplug. We need rest. We need to unplug every once in a while, but it's really hard to do that because work follows us. There's so many people that if you go on vacation and that's your time to rest, that you still bring everything you need for work and you still work when you're on vacation. Or if you try to stop working, but everything is centered around our cell phones, then work finds you even when you're on vacation. So we rarely unplug and rest, which leads us to thirst for God from a dry soul. Or you could just consider overall stress and what it does to us. We live off of a lot of stress. We get caught in the stress spiral where we're either overworked or we're overcommitted and we're overextended. And it's kind of like hurry sickness. We're always in a hurry. We feel like there's so much to do and we're stressed out. We get caught in that stress spiral and our cortisol levels are raised. We're living off adrenaline far more than God designed us to. God designed us to have adrenaline when we need it in short bursts but not constantly, daily. If we're living off of that much adrenaline, it has a negative effect on our health. It creates health problems. It weakens our immune system. It lowers our endorphins. And it decreases our brain's natural tranquilizer so that we can't really calm ourselves down when we're feeling that disquieted soul because of what this world and this culture has done to us. It's depleted our ability to be calm. And it leads us wanting to escape our own lives or resenting work or whatever it may be. Now, the list could go on, but hopefully you get the idea. I've given you several reasons why 
This culture that we live in could lead us, and we just get caught up in it and we don't realize it, but it leads us to thirsting for God from a dry soul. And we could blame it on culture, or we could point the finger back at ourselves and say, well, we don't have, we have a lack of self-control, we don't have very healthy boundaries, whether it's the culture, whether it's our own fault, whether it's a mixture of both, regardless, when you thirst for God from a dry soul, well, that's not the place that we want to be, and eventually it leads to more problems. The psalmist says in Psalm 42, Verse 1 and 2. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? Sometimes we thirst for God out of a dry soul, and sometimes we thirst for God out of an empty soul, which is a very dangerous place to be. If you get in your car and you're late for something, you're going to a meeting, you're going to work, going to church, going to a ball game, whatever it may be, and you see this in your car, what do you do? How many of you, if you know the needle is pointing towards empty and you see that light come on, how many of you think, I'm going to whatever I'm going to do and I'll get gas later? Anybody? Okay, some of you admit that. How many of you would say, no, I'm going to be late to whatever I'm going to and I'm going to get gas now? I usually lean towards that because my thought is I would much rather just go ahead and get gas now rather than wind up stranded on the side of the road. Maybe it's because I would be embarrassed. Maybe it's because I wouldn't know what to do. But either way, I would rather fill up than go on empty. But our souls feel that way very often. We go from being a dry soul to eventually just becoming an empty soul. We're just running on empty. We're burned out. And even if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not exempt from that. So there's a few things that we could do to try to change our lives. If you're on empty, if you're burned out, you're going to need a change. And if you don't change and then you burn out, it's going to force you to make some changes. And I could suggest a few changes based on the list that I shared with you from the dry soul and what the culture does from us. And this is not an exhaustive list, but here's a few suggestions on things that maybe you could put into practice. One is you could take a mini spiritual retreat. I just throw that out there because that's what somebody has challenged me to do recently. I was challenged to, and I shared this with our staff and a few other people recently, to take one day out of the week where I take a lawn chair, a Bible, a journal, a pen, and nothing else, no phone, no, none of that normal distraction stuff, go out in the woods, go to a park somewhere, and just sit and be with God. This guy said do it for a minimum of one hour and a maximum of eight, eight hours. So I think I made it for about three or four hours. And without the distractions and just sitting there with the Bible, sitting there in silence, it's amazing what can happen. If you're thirsting from God, for God from a dry soul or you're teetering on the brink of empty, maybe you need to take a mini spiritual retreat. Maybe you just need to get sleep. I mean, that's one, I, I call this a spiritual discipline, but sometimes just cutting back the caffeine and going to bed at night, making sure we allow our bodies to sleep and realizing our limits and setting limits on our schedule. We're only human beings. We can't do everything. And one thing that I've, one big lesson that I've learned over the last few years is that I have some major limitations. And so know your limitations. Realize it's not all in, up to you. It's not all in your hands to accomplish everything. Set some limits on your schedule and turn off notifications. 
I'm going to say something to you that you may, some of you may not like, but you don't need to hear from Fox News every time something happens. You don't. It doesn't need to buzz your phone to let you know what's happened here or there or right here. It doesn't matter. It does matter, but it doesn't matter to you in that moment. Read it when you read it. Turn off notifications. You don't need to know every time somebody posted on Facebook. You really don't need to know that. When it comes through to your phone, then you think, oh, I wonder what that is, and you go check it, and then you start scrolling, and then you're completely distracted. Turn off notifications. I've discovered recently the do not disturb deal on my phone, the focus time, and you can do do not disturb. Greatest thing I've discovered uh, since the iPhones have been out, I think. I, I put it on do not disturb, and I don't know that you're texting or calling me until I take the time to look and call back. It's like living in an old world. Or you just have to be home for somebody to get a hold of you. Anyways, I can go on that for a while. Turn off notifications and spend time with God. Practice daily spiritual disciplines. Be in God's Word. Spend time in silence and in prayer. And do it daily, not just sporadically. Nobody's going to make you do it. Remember, it's called a discipline. So if you find yourself thirsting for God, because we all thirst for God, because God has planted that within us, if you thirst for God from a dry soul or an empty soul, in my opinion, I don't think that God wants us to stay there. We'll be in those places every once in a while, and sometimes we can't help it because of the circumstances. But based on everything that I've talked about today, there's a lot that's in our control, more than maybe we realize. That we don't have to become dehydrated and thirst for God out of this dry or empty soul, and it's possible to thirst for God from a satisfied soul. It's possible to thirst for God and He has satisfied you with this living water and you keep thirsting for more because you're drinking from the right source. One last passage I'll read to you. is John chapter 4, verse 13-15. through This is known as the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Jesus has this conversation at a water well in the middle of the day, and she's talking about physical water. He starts talking about spiritual water, and this is what Jesus said to her. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Now Jesus says this water that I can offer, this living water, and He talks about it again in John chapter 7, says you'll never be thirsty again. But in my opinion, Jesus isn't saying that you won't, that He just completely takes away the need to drink. No, what He's saying is the living water that He offers, is, that means you're drinking from the right source. You'll need to drink again, but you keep returning to the right source because it's the living water that we truly need. And when we're drinking from that water that Jesus offers, we're, we're experiencing the thirst of a satisfied soul. A.W. Tozer once wrote this prayer, and I want to read it to you a little bit more than what's on the screen, and then we'll wrap it up. He said, O God, I have tasted Thy goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. O God, the triune God, I want Thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made thirsty still. The thirst of a satisfied soul is a person that's drinking from the living water that Jesus has to offer and you keep returning to that source.
I don't think God wants us to live in a perpetual state of being a dry soul or teetering on the brink of being an empty soul, but to thirst for God from a satisfied soul. So if you feel like you identify with the dry or the empty soul, I want to encourage you to drink deeply from the living water that Jesus offers. And if we can help you in any way today, pray for you, if you are ready to follow Jesus and be baptized into Christ, whatever your needs may be, you can come up front and talk to me, me and one of the elders, or you can find some of the shepherds that may be around the room, or have a conversation after worship service today. However we can help you. I want to invite you to stand back up. Rodney's going to come back up, and we're going to continue to sing. There's a fountain free, tis for you and me. Let us haste, oh haste, to its spring. Tis a fountain up from the source above, and he bids us all freely drink.